Good morning, Impact City. You know, um, if we can open our Bibles up to Job. Many of us have read or heard about Job and what happened in his life, and we're, we're going to dive into it real quick. Um, you know, we're going to go verse 1 and then to verse 3, and then we'll skip a couple of verses, and then we'll continue to verse 6 through 12. Um, so we'll start. Job 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, who, upright one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. If we could jump down to verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present, present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered, The Lord, and said, from going to and fro on earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. We can go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for this word. Heavenly Father, we pray that we learn today, God, that you speak to us, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Heavenly Father, that there's a life change in us, Heavenly Father, through your word. And we pray that. This seed that is spoken today falls on fertile soil, God, and starts producing fruit in our lives and in the lives of our families and the people around us. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to, y'all can have a seat. If I talk too fast, you can, say, you can say slow down. I'm a fast talker. I talk with my hands a lot too, so you can slow me down a little bit. But we're going to talk about perfectly broken. Perfectly broken. It's, a, it's an oxymoron. How can something be perfect yet be broken at the same time? And that's how some, some, sometimes we are. You know, we, we, we try to do every, everything perfect, but yet we're still broken in our lives and in circumstances in our lives. We see that in the rest of the verses in chapter 1 that Job starts to lose everything. If, if, you've, if you've read the book of Job or the story of Job, you know, you start to see that he loses everything. He loses his oxen to the Sabians. He loses his sheep to the fire from heaven. He loses his camels to the Chaldeans. And he loses his children to the wind. Uh, his children were partying at the oldest son's house. And then the wind comes and it knocks the house down. And he loses all his children. So we see a man that loses everything. And when he gets the news that he lost everything, one servant comes up to him and says, Hey, you lost your, your oxen. I'm the only one that survived. And then you see another servant come, hey, you lost your sheep. I'm the only one that survived. And then you have another servant come up and say, hey, you, you lost this, this something else. And then the last servant comes up to him, one after the other one, and says, you lost your children. You know, at this point, what, what does Job do? Job falls to the ground, tears off his clothes, shaves his head, and, and worships God. 
and we'll dive more into it. And then we see in chapter 2 that Satan goes back up and talks to God. And then Satan comes and attacks Job himself. Job starts getting boils on his hands and he starts suffering physically as well. He already lost everything he possessed. He lost his children. Now he's losing his, his physical fitness. He has boils all over his hands. You know, so we see even through all that, his wife tells him, Job, be done with it. Curse God and die. But what does Job do? Job holds on to his integrity. Job did no such thing to sin against God. He held on to his integrity. He got on his knees and worshiped God. Because he knew who his God was. He knew what God had in store for him. He knew that God had a purpose in his life and that God was in control of everything. You know, even his friends, he had three friends that came up to him. Even they tried to figure out what was wrong with Job. Why were you going through this suffering, Job? Is it something you did? Was it a sin that that you committed that you didn't repent from? And Job was telling them, no, I didn't know such thing. I am blameless. Even God says that he was blameless. So they continue to go back and forth, him and his friends, and they're trying to figure out, God, Job, there is something that you did against God for you to be going through this. But Job hadn't done something against God at all. But we see a man that was broken. We see a man that, was, that had good possessions. He had livestock. He had children. He was living a good life. But yet we see a man that was broken. And this is what we're going to figure out. What does it mean to be broken? To be broken means to be shattered, crushed, maimed, devoid of arrogance, wounded, contrite, smashed, injured, distressed, and fractured. Shattered, crushed, maimed, devoid of arrogance. Wounded, contrite, smashed, injured, distressed, and fractured. Life can break you. Life or circumstances in our life can break us. Even though we don't want them to, even though we don't plan to be broken by circumstances in our life, they can still break us, whether it's in our relationships with our wives or our children or with our parents or with anybody around us. Life can break us. Whether it's illness that comes upon our lives, life can still break us. And brokenness in the Bible, it was best summed up by William Branch when it comes to brokenness. He said, brokenness in the Bible is the spiritual state by which one is disarmed of one's self-dependence and pride, therefore leaving one disabled and desperate need of help, thereby making one viable conduit for the glory of Christ. I'll say it again. The spiritual state by which one is disarmed of one's self-dependence and pride, therefore leaving one disabled and in desperate need of help, thereby making one a viable conduit for the glory of Christ. That's what we see in the life of Job. We see that his dependence wasn't on his self or on his stuff that he owned, but it was, his dependence was on God. And that's where sometimes we need to realize that our dependence cannot be on what the things we do or the, the things that are going to come our way, but our dependence should be only in God and only God because he is in control of everything. When we are broken, when we are really broken, sometimes things around us take the hit. Our marriage 
is broken and falling apart. And we don't know what to do. Our children don't want anything to do with God, even though we try to instruct them in the path of God, instruct them in the word of God. You know, my, my children still, still live under my roof. Our oldest is 16, so I still have time to instruct him. But if you have children that are older and they have strayed away from God, we, we live in a broken world. You know, we are broken by the things that come our way, whether it be depression, anxiety, addictions that come our way. We try to do everything we can in our power to, to stop that from attacking us, to stop that from bringing us down, for dragging us down. Yet we are still broken. We are broken by our illnesses that attack, that attack us. We try to figure out what we can do to get better, but yet we're so broken. Maybe it is to make us realize that our, our dependence is not on the doctor. Our dependence is not on the person that gives us the best remedy. Our dependence should be only on God and only him. We sometimes continue to be broken because we get in our own way. Ever since the beginning of the Bible we, that we read in Genesis, we see the fall in the Garden of Eden. We live in a world that is in desperate need of a Savior. We continue to be broken because we get in our own way, thinking we can do things better our way and by our might, by our strength. And while we do things in our way and in our power, we don't give God our marriage, we don't give God our life, we don't give Him our illnesses, our sickness, we don't give God our children give them into his hands so he can take care of them. When I try to take care of things myself, things go wrong all the time. I can tell you that bad experience more than once. When I try to do things under my power, under my strength, things always go south. But when I give it to God and I know that he is in control, even if, he, if it goes south, I know there's a plan and a purpose for it, and I know he will use it for good. It, it is amazing that after losing everything, Job still didn't curse God. He worshiped him instead because he knew that even through his brokenness, there was a but God in his life. What I mean but God. But God is going to see me through this very instance. He's going to see me through this very circumstance that is bringing me down, that is taking me down. There's always a but God in your life. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling crushed, if you're feeling broken, just know there is a but God because this will get to our first point. But God is sufficient. We see that in Job's life, that he didn't curse God, even though after losing his children, he said, naked I came and naked I shall leave. Job knew that everything he had meant nothing in the grand scheme of things. That everything was because of God. And only because of his grace and his mercy that he showed Job that he was able to attain all this. And we see in the life of Paul the Apostle that he had a thorn in the flesh that we read in Corinthians. We see that he prayed to God. He says, I prayed to God three times and he still did not remove the thorn in my flesh. And if we could jump to 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the, mere, all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This is Paul writing. He said, God responded to me and said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. How many of us can really understand God's grace for us? that know that whatever we're facing, that his grace is sufficient through our brokenness, his grace is sufficient through our hardships, that his grace is sufficient for every aspect of our lives. Sometimes we don't want to give that control to him. Sometimes we, we think, maybe if I do this or that, I can control it, control my life a little bit better. But we need to understand that his grace is sufficient, that he knows the plan that he has for us, and he knows that there's a purpose for everything that we go through in our lives. Even through our brokenness, God will still get the glory. Even through Paul's brokenness, even through that thorn in the flesh, it was so Paul couldn't boast and say, I did this or I did that, is to keep us sometimes humble. It's to keep us contrite, like we read earlier from the definition of, of brokenness, to keep us contrite, to keep us humbled. Maybe it's to make us understand that it is not by your power, it's not by your might. You know, it is up to us. To let God be God and let him have control. And this will lead us to our second, but God. But God is in control. We see it in the life of Job that God was in control of his life, control of every aspect of his life. Even after losing his livestock and children, God was still in control. This is what Job said. God, the Lord gives and takes away. The Lord gives and takes away. That to me says the Lord is in control of what he gives you and what he takes away. The Lord is in control of every aspect of our lives and we, we need to give him control. We need to give him control of our brokenness. We need to give him control of our children, of our marriages. We need to give him control of our spouses, of our depression, of our anxiety, of our addictions that we face each and every single day. Give him control. You know, we do live in a broken world. And with the broken world, everybody tries to take control of every, of every part of this world to make it fit their needs. You know, we also see it in the life of Joseph. We see at the end of Joseph's life where he tells his brothers, but before we see Joseph, he was sold into slavery. He was wrongly accused and imprisoned, yet he still became second only to Pharaoh. And this is, at the end of his life, his brothers asked for forgiveness about, you know, the culmination of everything. He, his brothers asked for forgiveness, and this is what Joseph says in Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. Joseph knew that he had to go through what he went through God, because God had a purpose in his life. And we see that what the purpose was that even through the famine, a lot of people still were able to get food, food by what he had instructed Pharaoh to do. But still, Joseph knew that even though he was wrongly accused and in prison, even though he was sold into slavery, there was a purpose for his life. We may not know the purpose of why we go through things sometimes in our life. But we need to know that God is in control. God is in control of every aspect of our lives, even if we don't see it, even if we don't agree with it. 
He is still in control. Sometimes we're like Job, and we want answers from God. You know, some of us have been through tough times, tough things, and we want answers from God. And we question him, like, God, why do good things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good people struggle so much? Or why do good people have to deal with this or that? And in the book of Job, or in the story of Job, we don't, God doesn't give that answer to Job. We don't read that answer. We don't find that answer, why good things happen why bad things happen to good people. But one thing that amazes me, after Job questions God and has a dialogue with God, God answers him. And he gave him a bigger picture of what God is in control of. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And he goes on and tells them other, a bunch of things that he's in control of. And then he also tells them, what were you when I created the cosmos and made everything to the detail of the subatomic? What were you, Joe, when I created the earth? What were you when, when, I, when I made the water stop where they stopped? What were you, Joe? He, and God answers them with those questions and makes Job think. Maybe God is in control of every aspect of our lives. And he even tells them, can you fish hook Leviathan and tame him? What were you, Job? Can you do all these things? Sometimes we need to realize that we need to give our brokenness and our broken pieces to God because only he can put them back together. The only, only he can, the only way he can. We need to realize that even though we are broken, even though we are shattered and in pieces, only God can put us back together. And this will lead us to our last point. He is, but God is my restorer. But God is my restorer. We see in the life of Job, at the end of the book of Job, that Job gets restored twofold. So he had two of everything at the end of his life. He had seven sons again. He had three daughters again. And all his life, livestock was doubled. We can see God's mercy and grace on Job. Even if he was broken, it shows that his dependence was in God and only in God. And even if, it, if his wife and his friends didn't agree with what he was going through, what, what brokenness he was facing, that he still gave everything to God. Even in the midst of our brokenness, where we think we are too far gone and we are too far damaged that we can be restored. Sometimes we think I am too far gone with this brokenness that I can't be restored. Billy Graham once said, you're born, you suffer, you die. But fortunately, there's a loophole. You're born, you suffer, you die. But fortunately, there's a loophole. And we see that loophole in play in Titus 3-4. But when, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We see that loophole play. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God our Savior appeared, 
He saved us. He saved us. Not because of our righteous deeds that we can do, but because of his loving grace, he has saved us. And that is the loophole that is, a, that is at play in our lives each and every day. Because we, after the fall, we were, we were just meant to born, suffer, and die. But then there was that loophole, and that loophole came to save us. That loophole came to restore us. That loophole came to take us out of our brokenness and make us whole again. It was that loophole that came. And that loophole is Jesus. Even through our brokenness, God still works and that is the simplicity of the gospel, that we are perfectly broken. That is the simplicity of the gospel, that we are perfectly broken. Ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed and ate from the forbidden fruit, we live in a broken world, and we're all sent down the track of brokenness. But God, in his infinite love and mercy, sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus, to take on that brokenness. And take all my brokenness, all my broken pieces of my life, and put them back together on the only way he can. And if the worship team wants to start getting ready, we're about to finish. I know it was short, but it's good. Jesus took the brokenness I deserved upon himself. On that cross, that should have been meant for me. He took it so I wouldn't have to bear the pain and anguish and the suffering he endured. He took the lashes for me. He took the crown of thorns on his head for me. He took the nails on his hands and feet for me when I was the one that was the servant of it. He took my brokenness and made me whole. Jesus was perfect, yet he came and died a sinful death, even though he still ended up being perfect. A perfect and righteous God gave his son a perfect sacrifice to be broken for me, for my iniquities and my transgressions. A perfect God was willing enough to send his perfect son down for me and for you. That we wouldn't be broken by our iniquities, by our transgressions, by our mistakes, by our past, by our illnesses. That we couldn't be broken through, because of our depression. He sent his son so all those things would be made whole through him. He was broken so I don't have to continue to live in my brokenness. He was broken so my marriage doesn't need to continue to be broken, but it can be restored. He was broken so my children don't have to be lost. They can come and have a relationship with the Father. He was broken so my relationships with other people can always lead to Him. He was broken so whether I'm struggling at my job, I can give it to Him. He was broken so I wouldn't have to be broken and live in my brokenness. I could be made whole again. He was broken so my anxiety, my depressions, and my addictions don't have to get the best of me each and every day. He was broken so I don't have to cry myself but sleep at night thinking, what is our life going to hold for tomorrow? He was broken for me and he was broken for you. We see the life of Jesus. He was perfect. But yet he was broken. He took the lashes for you. He took the lashes for me. He took the cross, the punishment of the cross for you and me. We see a perfect man that he was perfect, yet he was broken for us. You know, we, many of us have seen the movie Passion of the Christ. That doesn't do it justice. 
to what he really went through. He was so beaten up, so messed up that he could have been unrecognizable. He was broken for me. God sent a perfect sacrifice to be broken for me and you so I can be perfectly broken because I know that he took my brokenness on that cross. He took that brokenness and he bore all the pain and the anguish that came with it. He bore it for me and he bore it for you on that cross. And that is the simplicity of the gospel. That even though we are broken, it is through Christ that we can be made whole. If we could pray. And we could close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you want to make a decision for Christ today, right now is the chance. Either here in the auditorium or online. You know, you can pray with us here at Impact City. We're a family. So we're going to pray together. It, it's, it's simple. We're going to, it's the ABCs. So, Heavenly Father, I admit I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. And I believe that he rose on the third day, conquered sin and death. And I confess you, Jesus, as King and Savior of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.